back on the high motor podcast after the holiday weekend break we took a one episode break andrew dowdy chase kitty talking with about what seven ish weeks until week zero is scheduled and we're going to jump right into part five of this college football neighborhood series that we've been doing for a couple of weeks unless that is you have some significant personal news you'd like to share that odds are most of us won't care about well, that's what we're supposed to do on our podcast coming back from a holiday break like July 4th, right? We're supposed to. Well, we were just talking about that. Like, we're a pretty low level podcast, but the type of personal news shit that high level podcasts get away with, it's nauseating. I, I don't get how they can do that and people will still tune in to the stuff that comes after the first 10 minutes of just crap. No, I, I have no news. I watched. Uh... I watched season four of Psych with no pants on. That was what I did this weekend. Last week, we crafted Neighborhood 5, which was far smaller than I think we both anticipated. I think at the end of the last episode, I said, that's it. We only had 11 teams. Uh, but as we're sitting here with what we think will be only three epi- or three neighborhoods left of college football teams, where they, are, uh, where they stand starting a new decade, we're really expecting them to explode in population. Like I said, three neighborhoods is kind of what we're projecting left. Maybe it'll swallow the four, but we do think that finally, it feels like we've been talking about this for a few episodes, that these neighborhoods are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they are generally bigger from where we started, but still only 11 teams in that last neighborhood, neighborhood five. And, um, you know, I know that summer content is summer content, but, but Chase, are we really going to sit here next week or the following week in part seven, part eight, or part nine, like deciding if we should separate Bowling Green and New Mexico. We're not actually going to do that, are we? I mean, I'm not. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to talk to girls or something. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. What are you, 16? Sometimes. You want AIM with them? Square one ace. Still go online sometimes. Hit me up. No, you don't. No, of course I don't. <laughs> That would be something, though. That would be great two truths and a lie. Like uh, that would be a podcast in itself. <laughs> Chase Kitty hops on AIM. Breaking down we talk to today? old IM screen names from two thousand one. Jesus Christ! Go. So where we left off, like I said, eleven teams in neighborhood five. We loosely defined that neighborhood as kind of consistent top forty to top fifty teams for the next decade. National championship really out of the question there, unless you strike gold, a la Clemson pre twenty ten. Uh, but you can pop up for that 10-win season if you're in that neighborhood, but mostly a consistent 6-9 to win team, uh, team sustaining some respectable level of success. Miami, Baylor, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arizona State, Memphis, App State, Navy, Iowa State, and TCU. And you briefly defined Neighborhood 6 on last week's show, a very, very rich, very rich visual for neighborhood six mind putting a more secure bow on that neighborhood six definition and what we're doing here for this neighborhood of teams entering a new decade how do you think we're going to define this i guess well i guess the way we have been defining this to really boil it down is one of two ways you could call this the middle class neighborhood you could also call this the missionary neighborhood i think really either one 
spells out what we're trying to say about this neighborhood. I think it's important that you put missionary in there without any context. <laughs> if you want to know why it's missionary without context, go back and listen to last week's episode. Because like I said, it was a very rich visual of what we're going to be doing here in Neighborhood 6. And I think missionary is, jokes aside, I do think it's an accurate description of this neighborhood. Because here's the thing about the missionary position. You're still having sex. Like, good things are happening for you. It might not be the best. You might not be Alabama or Clemson, but you're not like off in the corner doing your own thing either. So it's a proper balance of good things and maybe you still got some expectations that you're chasing. This got into a neighborhood, so to speak, that I was not expecting it to. Hey, but I'm very glad that we have now defined this as the missionary neighborhood. How more... How can we quantify this? We said like last week was top 40 to top 50 teams, national championship out of the decade, six to nine wins a year. Is this just a step below that? We're saying these are bowl eligible teams 70 to 80% of the time. They might go down to a two or a three win season once a decade. They might pop up for the, the eight to nine win season. Not really. I mean, last week you said that those teams were taking the national championship really out of the equation. Now we're kind of going a step further and saying, you know, playoffs not even on the table high-level conference championships not really on the table. Sure, could they pop up and do it? Absolutely. We're going to keep saying that, as we've said for the last couple of weeks, a team can be the exception and pop up. But it seems like we're going to define this as the bowl-eligible missionary neighborhood. Yeah, I think the key factor here is relevancy, right? You, you might not be winning conference championships, but I think an average college football fan hears your program name and goes, Oh yeah, like I, I know them. They I watched them play earlier this year once or last year, or like I might know who their quarterback is, or oh, they had that one good year in two thousand eleven. I remember that. Like that's I think that's what a lot of these teams are is they might not be killing it, but they are relevant. Teams that we mentioned uh several last week that I think firmly are in this sixth neighborhood, Michigan State. Minnesota, Houston, West Virginia. Any problem with those four? No. Uh, some others that I and you have kind of just thrown out there the last couple of weeks. Washington State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Any problem with those four? No. Let's get and down I would, to— I would go even farther than that. I would say if you're a Power 5 team, unless you are very special, you're probably in this neighborhood if you haven't already been mentioned. Really? Because as I have my notes laid out, like I don't, I have a lot of Power Five teams in here in these notes that I want to talk about: Cal, Indiana, Northwestern, UCLA, Wake Forest. But I don't have like Illinois in here. I don't have Duke in this neighborhood. But you think that we should expand it to include teams like that? I think most of the remaining Power Five teams are in here. I'd say between eighty and ninety percent of them are in here. But that doesn't mean everybody is. I, you you said you don't have Illinois in here. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I do disagree with you on Duke because if you look at what they've done and what they are likely to continue to do, they are relevant. They consistently go to bowl games. Uh, they didn't have a great 2019, but I, I don't. I wouldn't put them in the lower cast of of also ran Power Five teams. That you know they're not Vanderbilt. They're not Rutgers. They go to bowl games. Yeah, and I think it would honestly just be disrespectful if we're putting. We went back and forth on Minnesota a little bit last week. Even Michigan State, we don't love this upcoming decade as much as the last decade. Obviously, West Virginia, Houston, we talked about them. It seems a little bit disrespectful to put 
a team like Illinois alongside a team like Minnesota or West Virginia or Michigan State, unless you just really, really love Lovey Smith going forward, which I don't think you do, and I definitely do not, it seems more disrespectful to these type of teams like a Washington State, even with the coaching change, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina, to be really sitting here saying Illinois is going to be in the same neighborhood as these teams going forward in the next decade. So we have Michigan State, Minnesota, Houston, West Virginia, Washington State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, South Carolina. I think Missouri's in here. I think Georgia Tech's in here. Nebraska, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. So those are five more Power 5 teams. Any issue with those? No. Who else do you have from the Power 5 that are comfortably in here? Uh, well, if you want to go out west, uh, I mean, we've already named a lot, so I'm going to start to lose track really fast of who we've said. I think UCLA is probably in here. Uh, Washington State, Cal, Nebraska. Uh, I have something written down here. I don't even know what it says. Duke, Pitt. UVA, Michigan State, NC State. I think you could make a case the entire remainder of the ACC is in here. The the two that I kind of went back and forth are on were Syracuse and Boston College. Uh, I, I know with Adazio leaving, you can have an interesting conversation about which direction you think BC is going to go. I think I, I trust what Dino does at Syracuse, so I actually like them for this neighborhood. But Boston College, I think, is is a tougher one to peg. One you did not say was Arizona. We can safely assume they're in this one as well. I th- I thought about them. I think they're in here, but I had to think maybe a, a tick or two longer than you would probably want me to if you were an Arizona fan. Is that the Kevin Sumlin factor? Because I don't think he's going to be there long term. Do you? I don't think he's going to be there long term, and I, I I just I think they're one of those programs where the idea that you have in your head of what they are, and then the reality of what their record has been recently, and what they're probably going to be going forward that that doesn't quite match up and so I, th- I think they're here but they're maybe a little closer to the bottom of this neighborhood than you that's might a good expect. point now that i think about it, i brought up illinois is arizona that much different than illinois moving forward for the next decade they're I really not they i think the difference is you have somebody like kevin sublin who probably burns a little hotter than lovey smith now we both agree he's probably not going to be there very long that this is a means to an end for him but it still probably puts more juice into their program than Lovey Smith, which is, I think we all agree, is kind of more of a retread. Three Big Ten teams, Northwestern, Indiana, and who was the other one? Purdue. What do we think about that? Because Northwestern has won. They won last decade to be in this this neighborhood. We saw what happens last year when things go south very, very quickly. But it seems like Pat Fitzgerald has earned the benefit of the doubt. And of all, I mean, put all 130 FBS coaches into a pile of ones that we think will be there in 10 years that we would bet on, Pat Fitzgerald would probably be pretty darn high on that list. That alone, I think, would probably put Northwestern in this neighborhood. I I totally agree. I think Northwestern, even coming off of a pretty bad year, uh, I think they're in here. I think Indiana's for sure in here. Purdue, I'm kind of on the fence uh, for it. Purdue, I have on a short list of ones where I could go either way, and I wanted to ask your opinion because I think they have a lot of institutional challenges uh, playing in the Big Ten East playing with a tougher degree of difficulty in terms of the academic rigor of the university relative to maybe some of their peer institutions. So I, I, I think with Purdue, it's tough. I could definitely fall with them in this neighborhood. You could make a pretty good case. I think that they belong in seven as well. Did you say Big Ten East for them? Or did I hear it wrong? Or do I, I need prob- to correct I you? probably was talking too fast. Yeah. What, what did I say? West. Did I say they were in the Big Ten I East? think you said East. Oh, Anyways. My bad. I, I have a hard time, again, going back to Illinois, I have a, I get that, like, what Jeff Brom did in his first year, unbelievable. 
that was a phenomenal coaching job. Should have been in consideration for some of the National Coach of the Year awards. I'm not sure which ones he actually won or not, uh, conference and national, but that was phenomenal. Since then, even last year with the injuries, I'm kind of looking at that program and saying, yeah, that's great that you guys beat Ohio State a couple of years ago and you had a great year one or Jeff Brom. It's going to take a lot of time to pick up the pieces, but like, what have you done over the last two years to suggest that you're even in the same ballpark as the lower-tier Big Ten teams on this list? I mean, do you really think that Purdue over the next decade is going to be as good as an Indiana or as a Northwestern? I have a really hard time saying that. I think that Purdue is more of a five to six, maybe a seven win team kind of maxing out at like the seven to eight. I don't see them popping up for nine wins. And I see them depending on what Jeff Brom does. I don't love Jeff Brom as much as people do nationally, but I still like that fit there. And I still think he can avoid having those two and three win seasons, but I don't know what Purdue is going to do more than go four and eight, five and six, six and six every single year. And it doesn't seem like that fits what we're saying defines this neighborhood. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. And they also feel like we talked last week about when you look at somebody like Iowa State, how how much are they going to maintain the momentum that's being generated for them right now if and when they they need to hire a new head coach? Uh, I wonder the same thing about Purdue is, you know, if if they have to go in a different direction for for whatever reason, uh, are they going to sustain the momentum that they picked up a couple years ago? I don't even know if they're sustaining it right now. So that's that's sort of the argument that I made to myself that maybe they belong in seven. But I, I do feel like to circle back to something I said earlier, if you are a power five team, you almost need a reason not to be included in this neighborhood. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, the, the dynamic that I have and the argument that I have with myself. I do kind of think that Purdue leans towards seven for me. Let's along look with Illinois. At- yeah, let's look at the rest of the P5 here before we get into the G5 conversation. Arkansas has been really, really bad for quite a while now. I don't know if it's, I mean, we, you've talked about Arkansas a couple of times or just generally in the SEC that somebody has to take the losses there. And even if the dynamic of that division changes dramatically, it's still hard to see where Arkansas is getting to six or seven wins consistently. I love the potential of that program, but... I don't know if Arkansas deserves the benefit of the doubt to be put in here yet. They are still so, so low and at least a couple minimum of two to three years away from being even in being in bowl contention that I don't know if we can put them in the same. I mean, again, going back to how much is this disrespecting Michigan State, Minnesota, Houston, West Virginia, Washington State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. You're disrespecting those teams by putting Arkansas in the same neighborhood. I don't think that that pans out at all. Yeah, um, so I would have two things to say to that. Number one, when, when we're talking about, like, is it disrespectful to have X team in the same neighborhood as Y team? I think now that we, we get down to a, a, a category like this where we're talking about, we're sort of comparing it to the middle class. Like, the middle class is big, you know? If you look at the actual middle class, if you make $55,000 a year, you're, in the, you're probably considered a middle class household. If you make you know, $105,000 a year, you're still kind of considered a middle-class household. But there's, I mean, that's twice the amount of money. That's a huge gap between those two. So the difference between a West Virginia or a Minnesota and say, you know, I don't know, Western Kentucky, like there's a pretty big gap there, but they're still probably in the same neighborhood, not to jump ahead. So I don't, I don't necessarily think about the gap in terms of pure distance. That being said, I agree with your larger point. 
Arkansas doesn't belong in this neighborhood. Neither does Vanderbilt, probably. There's, I mean, we we talked recently about how Arkansas hasn't beaten a Power 5 team in like two and a half years. (laughs) If that's the case, you, you don't have an argument to make to be in this neighborhood. So they have to go somewhere else. They have to be in seven or eight, and that's a discussion we can have later, but they can't be in this one. Some other P5 teams, Texas Tech, Oregon State, uh, Kansas, Rutgers, Colorado, and I believe that's it for the P5, but I'll, I'll take a closer look at it. Let's go back to the Big 12 and let's do Tech. I mean, Kansas isn't in this neighborhood. We agree with that. Yes. Texas Tech, are they in here? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, okay. I think there's – Texas Tech has been – Mike Leach left, I think, in 2000 after the 2008 season. It's just been pure mediocrity since then, and I don't dislike the Matt Wells hire, but I have a really hard time seeing Matt Wells or whoever would come after him, again, winning six or seven games. I think it's going to be more in the five to six win ballpark every single year, trying to get to bowl eligibility 50% of the time. But no, I mean, you talk about like in the Big 12 too, somebody has to take the losses. We've talked a lot about that the last few weeks and how much we both love the depth of the Big 12. But there's still somebody at the bottom of that depth who have to take the losses. And it's really hard seeing Texas Tech getting above, I mean, West Virginia, who's probably above them in the Big 12 right now, getting above like a TCU, getting up to a Baylor. I don't see them doing that. I think they're one step below. Let's go to Oregon State. We already put uh, Arizona in this neighborhood after that. Is, Is Oregon State with them or are they up with Cal, with UCLA, with Washington State? Uh, I mean, I, I, I think if you want to be optimistic about 2019, they showed some progress that they could be here. I think but, they're, I think they're a border case. I think you can kind of call it either way. What's the ceiling for them? I mean, let's look back at, at what Mike Riley did. That seems kind of like the ceiling. He had some really nice years. Uh, let's see, 2006 to 2000 and what, 2009, they went 10 wins, 9 wins, 9 wins, 8 wins. We can reasonably assume that that's the ceiling. Before then, uh, 2000, they had an 11-win season, but that obviously is the outlier. The ceiling seems to be, the max-max ceiling for Oregon State seems to be 9 to 10 wins, best-case scenario. Over the last 7 or 8 years, it's been 5 wins, 2, 4, 1, 2, 5, 7, a 3-win season in there, a 5-win season in there. So it seems like we're banking on them almost scratching that ceiling over the next decade to be considered for this. And yes, last year was great. They finally played a competent football team for the first time in, what, five or six years. But I, I just don't have enough there to say they're going to be a six-win team 70 80% of the years for the next decade. I agree. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would tend to go seven with them, uh, even though it seems like maybe they're trending in the right direction. But I don't know how you... You know, we, we've said this over multiple episodes now. There are going to be some teams where you go, okay, I like the 2019 season that they had, but we got to make a decision right now, and one season is a small sample size. Maybe they just peaked and they're going to go back down, you know? It, it, to peak with a relatively modest amount of wins like that, I feel like seven is probably the right space for them. I think the only two remaining teams, since we did say Kansas would definitely be a, at least a neighborhood down, maybe even another one, Rutgers in Colorado. Rutgers, obviously not. Colorado, maybe if they still had Mel Tucker, I could buy this. But I, I, I hated the Carl Durrell hire so, so much. I think it's going to be one of the worst hires in the last 10 years. I don't think they're anywhere near this neighborhood right now. I think it's going to be really bad for Colorado this decade. 
Yeah, I've actually taken my cues from you on this one because you did a nice breakdown on how Colorado is just kind of listless and directionless. And I, I think I wouldn't have understood the full magnitude of sort of where they are in, in the pecking order without you breaking that down on social media a couple weeks ago. So I, I agree with you there. Great. So Colorado, we bumped down. Rutgers will be bumped down at least one. Kansas will be bumped down. Uh, Maryland. Never mind. We had one more. Maryland. Maryland. I don't think they're here. I don't, I don't think, think that Mike Loxley is the guy for them. I think they blew that hire. Um, I could see him winning five or six games, maybe, especially in that division. And even if they get a new guy in there, it's going to take him a couple of years. I think that Maryland's kind of in that same ballpark as Colorado. Like, where on earth is this program going? I know they had some couple tough years off the field, and we can't in any way quantify that effect in the program. I don't see how they're even in this conversation. It seems like you agree with me. I do. Great. So let's talk G5. You brought up San Diego State last week, so let's start with them. I basically said that if Rocky Long was still there, absolutely buying them as a fifth neighborhood team. I am comfortably putting them in the sixth. I assume that you are too. Yes. BYU, I think they're up here too. Agree. UAB, I think they're up here. Agree. Bill Clark is a freaking genius. Temple, Air Force, SMU, and Tulane. You know what? Hold on. Let's get back to the G. Um, no, never mind. Uh, Temple, Air Force, SMU, Tulane. I mentioned Tulane and SMU a couple of weeks ago. You also said Air Force. I don't see how you can leave those. Well, God, now I don't know. I was ready to put all three in this neighborhood, but now I'm kind of curious what you have to say about it. I'm ready to put all of them in this neighborhood uh, without a thought. I'm also I also want to put Houston in here, which we hadn't we hadn't found a spot for them yet either. I think Houston's here. Uh, I, I think there's more G5 teams here than maybe people realize. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you keep driving the car for now. Yeah, the only thing about temple is that i don't know how many times they're going to keep striking gold on coaches they're coaching hires for the last 15 maybe this is just stupid logic but over like the last 15 or 20 years have been incredible at some point are they just going to make the wrong hire or they're just going to keep hiring the right guy all the time and when that guy leaves in two years they're just going to find the right guy again and they'll have four four more coaches this decade and they'll be fine with it do you have any concern about that for them i mean i think statistically you have a good point but it's one of those things where, I mean, if you keep doing it right, I mean, this this isn't gambling where I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the failure because you're overdue. Right, right. This is, uh, I mean, they they've consistently made good hires. I went back and looked at their, you know, sort of their recent history, what they've done the last decade in terms of wins and losses, and I knew they had had some good teams, but I guess I didn't realize the consistency that they've had the last ten or fifteen years. I mean, they've been one of the stronger, more consistent G5 programs, even if they haven't had a ton of those like big eye-popping seasons, you know, going 11 and 2, like, you know, maybe a Fresno State has, where Fresno State has been much less consistent. But a couple years ago, they're, you know, they're pushing for the highest ranked G5 team. They're in New Year's Day contention. Uh, that That stuff, I think, really makes people's memories you you remember that type of stuff temple the consistency that they have brought across multiple coaching staffs i think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt and put them in a neighborhood like this even if you are maybe a little bit skeptical that they're going to keep nailing coaching hires yeah i'm fine with that are you also good with tulane i'm i'm good with it because i love willie fritz moving forward i think that he might be at the end of the line with his coaching career jumping around so much. And I think that because some P5 teams have passed on him the last couple of years, 
he could be at Tulane for the next seven or eight years and then retire. Are you good with Tulane? I'm good with them in this neighborhood. I would like to see them win. I'd like to see them get an eight or a nine win season. That would make me feel much more confident in it, but I still think they're here. Dropping down now, I think that the best team going into this season that we haven't mentioned yet is Louisiana with Billy Napier. Uh, It seems very, very clear that he is leaving for another job at some point. He was rumored to be in the mix at Baylor. He's not staying at Louisiana long-term. This is a young coach with a great... Uh, uh, great resume. He's not staying there long-term. Louisiana's had some success. The Billy Napier factor is too big for me to put them into this neighborhood. I think this season, there's an argument that going into this season, with probably the exception of Minnesota and maybe Washington State, maybe uh, SMU, maybe Cal, aside from those teams that Louisiana is better than all of these teams going into this season, but for the next decade, I don't think you can put them here. So your ultimate takeaway there is you don't think they're in this neighborhood. I don't think they're in this neighborhood because I don't think Napier stays beyond more than a season or two. And I don't know if the next guy that can come in can do eight, nine wins, eight, even up to a 10 win season. I think in the Sun Belt, that's kind of what we're talking about here. I think when we're talking about it, maybe we should have that conversation with the Sun Belt team. I don't think the the parameters that we laid out with all due respect to the Sun Belt, I think winning 10 games in the American is a hell of a lot different than winning 10 games in the Sun Belt. And even if the next coach comes in and goes 10 and two, I still think that's a step below what we're talking about here with the six neighborhood. Uh, I think it goes back to there are levels within a neighborhood, right? And if you're consistently seven and five, eight and four, even in a lower tier conference like the Sun Belt or maybe Conference USA, I still think you're relevant. Right. Like I for for this list, I have Southern Mississippi on my list. Now, I don't I do because I don't know if they're on the same level as any of the power five teams we just discussed, but they're relevant in college football. Like I'm not saying there's they're a destination, but they're consistently good in bowl contention, like in the mix. So I think that makes them a middle class neighborhood. I think there needs to be a neighborhood below this if we're just talking about pure relevancy. Because I don't I don't think I mean I know that you kind of squashed a lot of my disrespect argument, but we're really sitting here saying that Southern Miss, even with how big this neighborhood is, Southern Miss is in the same neighborhood as a West Virginia, as a Minnesota, as a Mississippi State, even as a South Carolina with all the problems they've had lately, the potential moving forward. I don't think you can make that argument unless we're just putting 40 or 45 teams into this neighborhood. So if let's, let's say you're right. Let's say that we shouldn't pair teams together like that. And we'll get back to Louisiana in in a minute, I guess. What would, what would the marker for the seventh neighborhood have to be? I think it's relevancy is what you're talking about. Pure relevancy. Yeah. I think right here with this neighborhood, this is more, like na- exactly what you said, this is national relevancy where you're like, yeah, I mean, I watched a Georgia Tech game earlier this season. Not many people are watching a Southern Miss game. You're getting into the very, very small percentile of college football Thursday fans. night football, baby. Nobody knows <laughs> who like the Southern Miss quarterback is. 99.9% of college football fans outside of Southern Miss's market know who their quarterback is or probably even who their head coach is. Nobody knows that Jay Hobson is their head coach outside of like 1% of college football fans. People don't know that's not relevancy. And in this case, that's not the national relevancy of this neighborhood. That's so you just think relevancy. this should be a dividing line between 
Yes. Say bar relevancy and football relevancy. Yeah. You can't put Southern Miss in here. I don't think you can put Louisiana in here either. Okay, so I, I guess I think the next question I would make is if the line of demarcation for neighborhood seven is actual football relevancy, who goes into eight? We're getting way ahead of ourselves. We, we are, but I do. feel like we're at the point now where we're staring down the entire rest of FBS football, and I, I want to know where the chips fall because we're running out of road. I think we need to see who finishes out this neighborhood and then who we put alongside so many. I think my, how I'm doing this is using the P5 kind of as that barometer. Who is the, the G5 partner to all these teams that we just put in here arkansas purdue arizona illinois texas tech oregon state colorado who in the g5 kind of compares to them so i think we need to fill out the rest of this neighborhood and then we're getting way ahead of ourselves here let's just let's pump the brakes here a little bit. well then i wonder i wonder if i might revisit a team like tulane because i don't well maybe not because i think a lot of people knew they were good this year i think i think a lot of I don't want to say casual fans, but like level two college football fans know who Willie Fritz is. So I'm I'm thinking out loud here. I know how much you love that for podcasts. Yeah, that's good. It's that's great second only to just me sitting here thinking silently. And well, not we're also anything. talking about the next 10 years moving forward. I'm fully aboard the Willie Fritz train, and a lot of fans know who he is now. A shit ton of fans are going to know who he is in two to three years when Tulane is averaging eight or nine wins per season. That's what I'm projecting forward for him. That's why I think Tulane's there. Southern Miss is not. Louisiana is not. Can we go to the Mountain West? Sure. Nevada, Wyoming, Utah State, Hawaii, and maybe we could talk Fresno State. I don't think we can talk San Jose State. I don't think we can talk Colorado State. I don't think we can talk UNLV. So, again, that was Hawaii, Utah State, Wyoming, Nevada, and Fresno State. Which of those do you think are comfortably in this neighborhood, if any of them? Utah State, Wyoming. That might be it. Fresno, I think, it, I, I want to get back to those. I should just ask you about Fresno first. Fresno's, Fresno's so a, up and down. Fresno's an interesting one because, like, before Jeff Tedford got there, they were so, so bad. They would have been in the bottom neighborhood, probably, going into his tenure. They were so bad. And they've had blips where they come up, and they've had really, really good teams. But there are too many inconsistencies there, and now with a pretty decent rebuilding job after a disastrous last year, I have a hard time saying that Fresno State is on the same level as some of these G5, as a Temple, as an Air Force. Not even on the same level, but in the same neighborhood. I think the gap is too big there. I think you got to move Fresno State down. That's exactly how I feel about it. So that leaves us with, let's go to Hawaii now. I don't know what Todd Graham is going to do there. If Nick Rolovich was still there, yeah, absolutely. They're in this neighborhood 100%. There is a little bit of uncertainty with Todd Graham. He hasn't been at a job like that. He did win at a G5. He won at Rice. He won at Tulsa. He has that resume. I don't think it was a bad hire. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to move move forward, and I think he's ultimately looking for another shot at a P5 in the Southwest. I don't even know how long he's going to be there for. Yeah, I think Hawaii is a really complex job, and it's not— I, I agree with your assessment that he's probably looking for another shot at a P5 job. And that is probably not an easy springboard type of job. Uh, so I, I do think he's going to struggle. Uh, I can tell you from a gambling perspective, this is kind of different, but Hawaii has one of the most overvalued home field advantages anywhere. 
Uh, people always talk about, oh, you got to fly there, and oh, the islands, and oh, time change, and oh, uh. it's all overvalued. They're always overvalued from a handicapping perspective. So I, I tend to agree that they are a step under this. Is that I'm not even a betting guy, but that seems odd when I get the flights are longer, but generally they're they're playing Mountain West teams, and most of their non-conference games are teams that are in the Mountain or the Pacific time zone. Yeah, they some I think like UMass might have played there a couple years ago. Like they get teams from the East Coast. I get that. That is a huge, huge trip, but you're not going that much farther. Like let's take Fresno State for example. Fresno State going to. I don't know. Nebraska is not a hell of a lot different than Fresno State going to Hawaii. Why do why do they do that? Do do fans just not understand that it's not that far away? I think I think they're just established thinking pathways that people have, and books just know like, oh, this is how people are going to think, so that we know to set the line like this. And, and I think when you talk to if you talk to enough people, you start to see how that stuff comes about. So you said Utah State and Wyoming here. I am fine with Wyoming because I think Craig Bull is just a guy that you can trust to be in that six to eight win neighborhood all the time. They've had some really good defenses, even though they've had to change coordinators and all that. I think that he has a system there. It worked at NDSU a little bit different uh, at Wyoming, but I'm fine with trusting them. Utah state. I I don't know what Gary Patterson's going to do. I think the whole Oregon state thing left a bad, bad taste in my mouth. I don't, I don't have any reason to believe this and I don't even know if it's true or not, but it just, it doesn't feel like, that was the right hire because it didn't feel like if Gary Patterson is um, Gary Anderson is quitting Oregon state, something's up there. And I get that things can change in a couple of years. Like when Urban Meyer came back, we'll see if Chris Peterson's come, Chris Peterson comes back. But it feels like when you quit and you do something like that, you don't even want the buyout of the money at all. And you come back two years later and you're coaching again, something feels wrong there. I don't know if I'm ready to put Utah state in this. I think it's up to you. I think if you, that's just a personal feel for me. I think what they did over the last decade warrants inclusion this is just a personal feeling for me and you can squash it if you want to um i get where you're coming from i think they've done too much to put themselves in this neighborhood they've done too much to put themselves in this neighborhood yeah i i think they the case is too good to be overridden by a hunch like you have even though it's an interesting observation on your part that's fine uh nevada was the last one i don't think they're in this neighborhood i don't either Great. So we took care of the Mountain West. We now have a shit ton of teams in this neighborhood. 29. When are we going to talk about Central Michigan? I don't even want to talk about Central Michigan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't care about Central Michigan. Every episode, How I don't care you? about Central Michigan. How dare you? The only other P5 team now that I'm looking at my list that we didn't like officially bring up, you said Vanderbilt's not in this but we can just officially say they're not in this. Not in that this. was the only other P5 team that we didn't talk about. Great. I think there are several. I'm honestly fine at capping the neighborhood like this, but I think there are several that you're going to warrant inclusion for. Um, Boston College, we didn't talk about them either, did we? Uh, I mentioned them briefly that I With thought they could go both ways. With Syracuse. With Syracuse and Boston College. We didn't really have the Syracuse conversation, did we? How do you feel? Because I, I I'm good with them being in here because I like Dino, but I I didn't I wanted to hear from you. Last year terrified me. Last year made me wonder if 2018 was some sort of anomaly and that was the ceiling. Well, I, I think the truth think... is probably somewhere in between the two seasons, right? Which I mean, I don't would... see Syracuse going 10 and three every year, and I don't think they're you know a yeah that's a good point. So somewhere I... in between would be eight and four, 
seven and five, six and six in, a, in an ACC that's ripe for somebody to hop up. There's no sort of foundation for me believing there's able, you're able to, I'm not saying this correctly. There's no, no reason for me to think that you can have consecutive six, seven, eight win seasons at Syracuse for an entire decade. I don't think that that's happening. Even however much you like Babers, I don't think that's happening. I think that they're more like an Illinois. I think they're more like a Texas Tech. I think Boston College is on that same level too. I'm fine with moving them down, but I am curious. How, like, what would you need to see from them going forward, let's say the next four years, for you to go, okay, I think I was wrong? Like back-to-back seven to eight win seasons, depending on what the ACC looks like. So they come out this season, they go eight and four. They follow it up the following season, 2021, they go seven and five. They're yeah, one and fine. one in bowl games. And If Baber stays there, which I'm not convinced he's going to, the guy has jumped so many jobs in the last seven or eight years. If he's there, if they go, they win, let's say, 15 games over the next 10 years, and he's coming back, or over the next two years, and he's coming back for, that'd be the 2022 season, yeah, they're comfortably alongside Wake Forest and Indiana and Northwestern and those teams in the bottom half of that neighborhood. Now, Same thing for Boston College. 15 wins over the next 10 years, that would be pretty bad. They might be alongside Kansas in their own neighborhood. <laughs> the Kansas Memorial neighborhood, yeah. Uh, Some G5 teams. You mentioned Western Kentucky in passing. I don't think they're in this neighborhood. Uh, yeah, do you want me? I'll just give you my whole list, and you can shoot them down all at once. How about that? I'm probably going to shoot all of them down because I think no, the that's what I'm saying. Too yeah. big. Yeah. So we've already discussed uh, Louisiana. You said no. I've also got on here Louisiana Tech. No. Western Kentucky. Nope. Marshall. Nope. Buffalo. Hold on. Let me go back to Marshall. Oh. Okay. Rakeem Cato. What they've been boss. doing is exactly what we're describing. What's the difference between Marshall and Wyoming? I don't think there is one. There's not. I mean, coach, like everything. Like the coaches are probably. And Doc on Holiday last wants. Run. To, I mean, he he's not going to leave. I don't think he likes where he's at. I don't think there is a difference. I think that they're alongside Wyoming, Utah State, Tulane in the bottom half of this neighborhood. Marshall. I don't. I don't know why my natural inclination was to say no. I think that their ceiling is a concern. I agree. Whether you want to put a win number on that, I don't. It's hard for I think Marshall to get into like the top fifty teams in the country. I, I think they're going to live in the fifty to seventy-five range, eighty range, ninety percent of the next decade. So the ceiling concerns me. But I mean, we're talking about the ceiling for this neighborhood: seven, eight, nine wins. I think they have to be in this neighborhood. Okay, uh, I already mentioned Louisiana Tech. Did I not? Yeah, you said Buffalo okay. too. Buffalo. I think Buffalo is actually in here. I know. I, was I don't think they're in there. But last year scared me. I think if they came out last year, went nine and three, showed improvement again. Sure, I don't think that they've done enough over a long period of time to think that they're going to be there for the next decade. Okay, Arkansas State. No. Georgia Southern. No. Here's the one I was most interested in. I don't think they're in here, but I think they deserve to be mentioned. And it is our old faithful friends. At Liberty University. No. Can we just take them off this neighborhood entire? Like, I don't even want to talk about them. Did you know? They don't even need their own neighborhood. Did you know that Liberty... Sucks. Paid ODU to play them. One, even though they are 1.1 million or something? $1.3 million 
to play a fellow G5 team in their state. And it was the first game as an FBS team, wasn't it? I don't believe so, no. I it wasn't it was. even their first season. It was. I think the game was this year. Oh, or this okay. past year. No, I don't want to talk about Liberty. We already talked about them too much. So, Who else you got? G5 teams then. Georgia Southern, I said no. I think, tell me if I've missed anybody, but going back on what we've said, Temple, SMU, Tulane, Houston, Marshall, San Diego State, Wyoming, Utah State, Air Force. Army. We didn't talk about Army. We didn't talk about Army. We didn't. We're, hold on. We're going. We're taking Southern Miss out. That I don't think you've officially said them, but they're not in this. Army, yeah, I, we I also took them out talk, for you. <laughs> we also didn't talk about Toledo, FAU, and I want to get your take on Charlotte. Okay. Uh, I didn't. Do you want to talk about Toledo? If you, I don't think they're in this neighborhood. I don't either. either. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then we don't need to talk about uh, Florida Atlantic. I considered. Obviously, I am Lane Kiffin's number one fan. No, I don't think they're in this neighborhood. But I don't think they're in this neighborhood either because if you look at what they did before Lane Kiffin, really not much to talk about. And unless you think they're going to sustain, I don't know, 80% of what Kiffin did, then they're not in this neighborhood. So. No. Charlotte. I know that we both know about Will Healy pretty good. Yes. It seems pretty obvious that he's not going to be there for that long. Nope. They're investing in the program. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize how much they're putting into winning and it's working, but I don't think they're even in the next, they might not even be in the next neighborhood, honestly. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about relevancy, they're not, they're not relevant yet. And it's great that they hit the six win mark this year. And it's great that they nailed a coaching hire, Will Healy, and tried to get Mike Houston, uh, you know, before all that went down. But I don't think they're there yet. They're definitely not in this neighborhood. I I think long term they are going to be successful. Uh, like you like you mentioned, like they're doing a lot of things right. They're investing, I think, correctly. Uh, they're not trying to do it like the fast, easy way. Uh, I just don't think they're there yet, and I don't think they're within spitting distance yet, really either. I don't think Army is there yet. What Jeff Monken has done is incredible. But before then, I, I there's. I think Monken could be there for a really long time. I think at some point a P5, a low-level P5 is going to roll the dice or a high-level G5 is going to roll the dice with that system. But I don't know. I mean, even when he's been there, that's kind of what we're talking about for this neighborhood. Even when he's been rolling, last year, again, scared me. If they had come out and gone 7-5 and five last year, 8-4 and four last year, great. They're in this neighborhood. But I don't think they've been doing it for long enough. And I don't, I don't know if Monken's going to be there for the next 10 years. If we were having this conversation a year ago. Yes, they're in that. Interesting. Okay. 100%. You don't think so? No, I, I totally think so. So you think they're in it this year still? I kind of do, yeah. What's the argument? Uh, I think that last year was a blip year that probably turned on a missed field goal. And I, I really, I, I wouldn't say this about a lot of teams in a lot of years, but I really think if you change that one play and they beat Michigan, I think they're probably an eight or nine win team. Why do you hate the troops? <laughs> Who's I'm I'm pro army in this argument. Why do I hate the troops? Shouldn't you? Shouldn't not I, shouldn't tough I enough to handle a missed field goal? I just I don't know. I think it's one of those things. I I, I can't explain it. I can't point to any like logical 
It's just that's that's what I watched last year. I feel like their season turned on that play, and I bet if you asked some players and coaches on that team, they might say similar things. So I don't know. I I, I think you're right. I Honestly, think I think here. that you're right. I think that their record was a little bit inflated from 16 to 18. Yeah, they they have they play a higher number of they don't play that many crap crap teams but it's still not the type of schedule that most teams in this most g5 teams in this neighborhood are playing they very picked comparable up some to wins. notre dame in the way they like have that schedule worked out yeah i think that they're probably in this i mean because if you're saying what did they win 21 29 games over three seasons they don't even have to do that over another three-year stretch this decade to be in this neighborhood they can do 24 wins over a three-year period do that a couple of times, and they're in this. I think they're probably in it. I'm How glad are they I convinced any different you. Than... Do you want to revisit Southern Mississippi now? No. How is Army any? I mean, we talk about Wyoming and Marshall. How is Wyoming or how is Army any different than Wyoming or Marshall? They're not. I or Utah agree. State. I was they're making not. the pro Army case. I don't see how you can make any argument for anybody else that we haven't talked about. I don't think so. You have any argument for? Tulsa, Ball State, East Carolina, the the Ohio. only the only one I would revisit if given the chance is Louisiana because I think they have a pretty nice body of work spanning back across multiple coaches that you could make the case that even if they have a coaching change, they're still going to be probably a solid seven and five, eight and four win team. But that might not be enough for you to want to put them in this uh, particular neighborhood based on that sort of record in that kind of conference. Uh, I understand that, but I would, I would want to revisit them. Uh, Cause that, if, if you gave me one, like if this is American idol or whatever, and I get one save, that's, that's probably the one that I'm making. Going back to them. If we were doing this, I think on two separate occasions, we could have been sitting here doing this saying they would have been in this neighborhood after they went nine and four and back-to-back seasons, 11 and 12. After those seasons going into 13, we probably would have put them in this neighborhood after that next season of nine wins, their third straight nine-win season, they would have been at least in this neighborhood. Then after they won nine games in a fourth straight season in 14, they would have been at least probably in this neighborhood, maybe the fifth and maybe even one above. And then they kind of implode. I don't even want to call it an implosion. And then are they... The, the, the semi-implosion worries me. Instead of going four and eight and then six and seven and five and six, they've won what, 15 games over that three years, if that was 19 or 20, I think it's a little bit different. But you're going 4-8 and eight in a weak division, in a weak conference. I don't think that is enough. Who is more back, it, Texas or Louisiana? San Jose State. We need to get Andy on the podcast. Do you have any other argument for any team on this list that we haven't talked about? I think that's it. South Florida, North Texas, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Ohio. Obviously, ECU. I have an argument for Central Michigan. So it seems like we've wrapped up this neighborhood and we have 31 teams in. We've basically put 22 teams into the next neighborhood. And we'll do that on the next episode. We'll probably just wrap it up because I assume that we'll have that one neighborhood and then one more. I mean, we're not actually going to put Nevada in the same ballpark as New Mexico State. Talk about disrespect. Uh, I would think, think not. No. Probably do two more neighborhoods. As always, tweet us your thoughts at High Motor Pod on Twitter. Curious who you would put in this neighborhood. Curious where you think that we blew it. Uh, curious if you love what we did here at High Motor Pod. Chase is at Chase A. Kitty. I am at A. Dowdy. 
88. Those of you that have listened to this entire series, appreciate it. We appreciate the numbers, and we'd love to have you back for the conclusion of this series next week. I saw a friend today, it had been a while, and we forgot each other's names, but it didn't matter because deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in between